I went to an event that one of my students was in where he was uh, both singing and rapping. And I left thinking, that is another Tupac. He is in a crazy environment, but his creativity is through the roof. If somebody could just come along and build him up and keep him on the right path, he is going to go places. And he's not an anomaly, you know what I'm saying? There are hundreds and thousands of little Tupacs, if you will. There's so many Dr. Martin Luther King Juniors, and there's so many, you know, Eleanor Roosevelt's in the hood, in Chicago. It's just we have to give them an opportunity to, to bloom. Welcome to the Let's Give a Damn podcast, friends. My name is Nick LaPara, your host, your friend, and your guide toward a meaningful, damn-giving life. Listen to these words. Every child deserves to be warmly greeted, to have their name used positively, and to be hugged, high-fived, handshaked, or at least smiled at by their teachers daily. This is the bare minimum. My guest recently tweeted these words, and as a father of three children, I couldn't agree more. It's my pleasure to introduce to you Dwayne Reed. A couple of years ago, Dwayne Reed hit publish on a music video that would change several things in his life. My name's Mr. Reed and it's very nice to meet ya I'm from Chicago, I love eating pizza and I dress to impress But I still rock sneakers, it's my first year teaching So it's all real exciting, got some ideas and I really like to try them Like making songs to remember when That's Welcome to the Fourth Grade and it went viral The video was noticed by some well-known people and brands And has given Dwayne many opportunities over the last couple years To do some pretty cool and meaning things. So why does this music video matter? Dwayne is an elementary school teacher in Chicago. He loves his kids, he serves them tirelessly, and he's making a difference. Teachers, as you all know very well, are the underpaid, unsung heroes of our world. I personally hate that we live in a world where LeBron James can lock down a $154 million contract to play a game for four years, while Dwayne and tens of thousands, millions of other teachers go underpaid and under-resourced. But that's a conversation for another day. We don't even really talk about that because Dwayne is so focused on the positive things and the things he gets to do. And uh, so I think you're going to love Dwayne as much as I already do by the time our conversation is over. So let's get right into it. Here's my conversation with the hip-hop teacher himself, Dwayne Reed. Dwayne Reed, welcome to the Let's Give a Damn podcast. How are you, brother? I'm doing well, man. Thanks for having me on here. Absolutely. Thank you for coming on, especially on such short notice. We finally connected yesterday after bouncing back and forth, and uh, we got something on the calendar for today, so I'm so excited we were able to make it happen. I'm absolutely thrilled to talk to you, um, and so let's get right into it, because I have so much to talk to you about. We don't have all the time in the world. Let's begin with your story, Dwayne. I'm always excited to begin hearing more about who you are and why, the kinds of the people, the places, the things that formed you into who you are today, because that'll give us some really keen insight into the kinds of things you're doing today. We're going to talk about a big viral video and you as a teacher and all sorts of things in the next 30 minutes. But why don't you start by giving, laying some groundwork for us 
anything you want to tell us. Yeah, definitely. Um, so from Chicago, born and raised, um, single mother, um, who really means a lot to me. Um, my mom, she had me when she was 17, 18, and um, she still found a way to uh, both work a couple part-time jobs and uh, continue in school. Um, she was going to school here. Wow. Uh, downtown in Chicago. So really come from like a strong, educational, persevering kind of background. I have uh, two younger siblings. One's three years younger and one is 10 years younger than me. So kind of a background in serving children or raising children, however you want to look at it. Very musical. Uh, my family has always been involved in, in church and singing and the choirs and different things like that. So um, I guess I developed an ear for music growing up, um, be it singing, playing instruments, or rapping, which is one of my favorites. And I, I guess, I don't know, always was just kind of weird, um, ready to be out there and be different, be other, try new things, take risks. And, and I see that really playing a, a big role in my life now. So um, yeah, Chicago through and through. And I went off to school in a number of different places and kind of came back home, like Kanye West says. There you go. Did you ever leave? Um, yeah, did you ever spend time, a significant amount of time away from Chicago? Or has it been pretty much, like you said, through and through? I did. I um, went to school in Indiana at Purdue University okay. for a little bit um, until I dropped out. Uh, that out-of-state tuition is a kicker. Man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I was there for a little. Uh, I spent a summer in Florida. Uh, working at Universal Studios um, in Orlando. That was a blast, man. And I spent about two years of school time down in central Illinois, um, in Charleston, when I, was, when I, when I finished my, um, my college education at Eastern Illinois University. So um, I've pretty much been in Chicago for forever. Got it. Let's go back to the, you, you mentioned something earlier on that I want to ask more about. You said the education has always been big, even for your single mother to, to be working super hard, raising you and also, you know, pursuing an education. What was the comp in the community you grew up in? Why was that so important? What was, what was kind of the communication around education? Was it that, you know, you're not going to make it unless you get a degree or graduate from high school or whatever the case may be? Like, what was the conversation happening in your particular community? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I know a lot of uh, black families, they'll say, oh, you have to get your degree or else you're not going to be anything. Or, or it was never that. It was more of a, an understood, like, no, you're going to get your education or whatever you're doing, you're going to be successful at it, but it'll be um, founded by some sort of education. So um, like I said, my mom, she was able to secure her degree after having both me and my brother um, three years later, my, my grandparents were always sticklers for education. I remember my grandma sitting in the kitchen with me going over how to count coins and mm. tell time. And, um, mind you, this is someone who didn't have a, a college degree. She was just like, Nope, I want my babies to be smart. And I want them to use that, that intelligence that, you know, God gave them all of my uncles, they would, always asked me questions um, that they thought were suited towards whatever grade that I was in, history questions, math questions. And it was kind of a game and it was fun. Um, so I definitely grew up in an environment where education was really pushed. It wasn't like this 
ultimatum type. Oh, you're going to do this or else you're out or you're no, nothing like that. It was just, Hey, you're smart. You're a read. So go ahead and get that education to back up what we already know. You said earlier that, you know, you said you're raised by a single mom. How did growing up without a father shape you for good or for bad? You know, I'm sure it's been up and down and there's been struggles and things you've had to work through, but how has growing up without a father shaped you? So I've learned a lot about growing up without a father now as I reflect on it. So during my childhood, I wasn't necessarily running that idea through my head like, oh, okay, I don't have a dad, I don't have a dad. But now that I look back on it, it's like, man, that was a really profound thing that took place. So some of the the negatives, obviously, I don't know how to tie a tie, right? Like I don't know how to change a tire. I don't know how to do mm. the quote unquote men things or, you know, I never played catch with, with anyone outside of my uncles and things like that. But I never had a father to, to step in and show me what it looked like to be a man, show me what it looked like to love a woman and to, to protect and to provide and to take care. I never had someone to do that. And th- those were some of the, the negatives, but I guess a positive of that is because I had that that void, I almost doubly want to fill that mm, in my life yeah. now. So, so I see that with my students. It's like, okay, I didn't have a dad, and I see that you don't have a dad, or or something like that. So, let me play the father figure, and you know, appropriately, right? Like, I'm not, hey, how's it going? I'm coming into your house. No, but appropriately, be that father figure. So, one of the positives is that I had this void, but now I look to fill it with the, the, the children that are in my life. And then hopefully when I get married one day, so. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, let's take a little bit of a different direction here. You are a teacher, obviously that's what, that's, we're here to talk about that's that part of your life. That's, that's a big part of your story. When did you decide in your journey to become a teacher? Cause you said you dropped out of school and had to, you know, f- then you went to school in central Illinois and all of that. When did you decide I want to be a teacher specifically an elementary teacher and what were the motivations behind it? I mean, you just gave us a picture into some, or maybe that's all the motivation, this wanting to be a, a, a helping father figure to you know, many of these children who probably don't have fathers or mothers. Or, um, so yeah, kind of what was that journey like for you? Yeah, so um, I dropped out of school where I was attending for um, a business management degree. And um, once I kind of got back into school, uh, or was thinking about getting back into school because I knew I wanted to secure a degree. I went and took one of those little um, aptitude tests that you can find online, just a basic free one. And all of them were pointing to um, service, uh, teaching, different roles like that. So I was like, nah, I took another one and it said, nope, teaching. I was like, no, 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 no. I took another <laughs> one and said, no, listen, Dwayne, teaching. Like it specifically wow. said that. Um, <laughs> so uh, I went on YouTube from there. And just look, I typed in, what does it look like to, to have one day as a teacher? Mm. Like what's one day in the life of a teacher? And then I typed in the day in the life of a male teacher. And then I typed in the day of the life of a black male teacher, just because I know that that's who I am specifically. And I wanted to know what it looked like. So as I'm, as I'm watching these videos, I'm like, okay, I could do that. Okay. I, I could say those things. I could kind of follow these rules and just started to get a, a, a bigger picture of what it looked like to be an educator, a teacher specifically. And 
I just kind of reconcile like, you know what, I can, I can actually do that. And the, the other cool piece is that at the time, I was volunteering at um, an after school program um, in the city um, with grades kindergarten to fifth grade, so which is elementary. So I had already had experience with the specific group. And I said, oh, this is the group that I want to serve when I become an educator. So uh, I got back into school. I did community college in downtown Chicago. And then I transferred, like I said, to central Illinois, where I finished my degree up. And some of the motivators were, um, man, I just, I really have a passion for kids. I, I know it's cliche, but it's cliche for a reason because it's so true for so many people. I feel like I'm my best self whenever I'm around kids. Mm. Whatever the best version of Dwayne Reed there is, it's whenever I'm around somebody else's kids. Um, so, so that was a motivator. Another one, selfishly, um, kids are hilarious. Like, yeah. do you have yes, kids of your are. own, Nick? I have, I have three of my own and they are absolutely hilarious. Yes. So, so I thought, man, let me be around these comedians for free all the time. Um, <laughs> so that was a motivator. And then, yeah, man, just, just really wanting to, to, to make a difference. Um, again, I know that's cliche, but I feel like I receive so much life. I get so much joy out of being able to see a kid smile, out of being able to see a kid, you know, start with no idea of how to solve a problem and then finish having solved the problem by themselves. Like it gives me joy to teach and to serve children. So those were some of the, the, the motivations that kind of pushed me to become a teacher. I love that. Thank you for sharing. I mean, I, I, I agree about kids. I mean, kids are also, I have three kids, you know, they're, they're hard and it's difficult. And parenting is, in my opinion, more difficult than the marriage my wife and I have in terms of maintenance and upkeep and really just being intentional about it. Right. But they are incredibly hilarious. Um, so much fun to be around. And I learn, I've learned so much about life since becoming a parent again, way more than I had previously learned in my 28 years of life before they came along. So totally agree there. What's it like to be a teacher in your context in Chicago? I mean, a lot of people that don't live in Chicago, they might have their, their idea of what Chicago is like, right? Um, especially if they've paid attention to politics and th things like that in the last couple of years. Our president certainly has a lot to say and think about Chicago. He wants to send the military in, blah, blah, blah. And so we hear a lot in the news about Chicago. So you tell us, you're in, I love Chicago. I go there fairly often. Um, I love, love, love it so much about it. So tell us, what's it like to teach and live and exist inside of Chicago as a, as a male black teacher? Fortunately, I live in the same neighborhood where I teach. Awesome. So, yeah. So I get to see my students um, all the time. I actually saw them today. Wow. Um, I went to the local summer day camp that I knew a number of them were at. And, you know, I went in, high fives, hugs, big smiles, everything. So that's very important because I know a lot of people in a lot of careers, they don't live where they work. So as a teacher, as an educator living in the neighborhood where my school is at, I get to see literally the ins and outs of my students' lives because that's my life as well. Like the same, you know, block that uh, an issue took place on, like I hear about it because I'm right there. So 
Um, living in Chicago, it's not as crazy as um, the media would portray it as. Um, there are issues, just like there's issues wherever you go. You know, whatever city that you're in, wherever place you've got humans, exactly. <laughs> you're going to have issues. Um, so Chicago is no different. Um, I think a lot of the things that you see on the news is obviously, they're obviously sensationalized. Chicago, like I live in the hood. The hood is so beautiful. Yeah. There's so much beauty here, man. Not only in um, just just aesthetically, but just in the lives and the hearts and in the passion of the people that live here. Like these these people are, um, I, w- I would call them the working poor in my neighborhood. Mm. The working poor, they, they work hard. They're not just taking handouts. They're not just, you know, um, taken from the government. Like these are people who wake up six, seven in the morning, get their kids ready, get them off to where they need to go, somewhere safe, some care. And then they go to work, work for eight, nine, 10 hours, come home, feed their kids, take care of their business, wake up and do it all over again. Um, so there, there's so much beauty here. There's so much passion, charisma, creativity. I went to an event that one of my students was in where he was uh, both singing and rapping. And I left thinking, that is another Tupac. Like he is a Tupac. He is in a crazy environment, but his creativity is through the roof. If somebody could just come along and, and, and build him up and keep him on the right path, he is going to go places. And he's not an anomaly. You know what I'm saying? Right. But there are hundreds and thousands of little Tupacs, if you will, and not just in the music arena, but just in 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 arts, in music, in sports, and there's so many Dr. Martin Luther King Juniors, and there's so many you know Eleanor Roosevelts in the hood in Chicago. It's just we have to give them an opportunity to to bloom, you know. So yeah, Chicago is beautiful, man. Like it's just beautiful through and through. So two years ago, you hit publish on a video on YouTube called Welcome to the Fourth Grade. And this video went, as they say, viral, Um, has a million and a half views right now on YouTube. And it got you all this publicity and people started to, you know, they started to see what you're doing and the work you're involved in. What was that journey like? So um, from the moment you, A, what did you hope would happen when you hit publish, right? I'm sure you didn't, I guess everybody in the back of their mind, when they put their heart and soul into a piece of art, they hope it gets recognized. But I don't know what your expectations were for that. Uh, maybe it was more than a million and a half views. But take me through that journey because that obviously, again, put some eyes on the work that you're doing, eyes on the projects you're doing. And I'd love to, you know, after we talk about what I just asked you about, we can talk about how has that changed you, affected you um, for the better or for worse. I, I don't know, you know, what kind of a, uh, things have changed maybe because of that. And so take us through that journey. Two years ago, you hit publish. What happens? How are you feeling? Yeah. Uh, so let me take you five minutes before I hit published two years ago. I was student teaching, actually, which is your practice that you do before you become a licensed teacher. And I'd, I'd heard of teachers uh, sending out little newsletters or emails to um, their up, their incoming uh, students or parents. And I thought, ah, that's cool. But, you know, being a read, I'm kind of creative. Let's think outside the box. So uh, I wanted to record a music video. And the original goal was for it to reach my 24 students 
and their families and for them to be happy mm. about it. There was never any intention of going viral. Like I didn't even think about something like that taking place. But I published it and then I started seeing those numbers jump up really, really, really fast. And then I thought, oh man, this is about to happen, like for real, for real. Um, <laughs> so having released that video, um, yeah, man, it was just crazy. Like I, I can even remember you know, getting a call from Good Morning America. And you know how people dream about hitting a grand slam walk-off home run in the set, the ninth inning of a World Series game? Mm-hmm. And they, they have all of these dreams ready and these plans right. ready. I didn't have any plans ready for this music video. It just took me by complete storm. And yeah, man, it was a blast. I'm super thankful for it. It was a whirlwind. I've never had so many messages and phone calls and emails at one time. And I think the best part about it though, was how excited my, my kids were, my students were like, they came to school like, Oh my gosh, you're a celebrity. And that really set the tone and the pace for the rest of the school year. So thing that I set out to do at the beginning of the school year with that video, I think I accomplished it. And some man, the kids were happy and that's what makes me happy. Do you know how, because sometimes you don't know how these things go viral, how they grow. Were you able to like trace it back to someone or something that shared it or, you know, really championed it online or otherwise that really gave it some amplification? Or was it just, you know, people were watching this, they were happening upon it and they loved it and were sharing it? So the first day I posted it, I, I just posted it on um Facebook and YouTube. On YouTube, it was whatever, however many views. But I remember a friend of mine saying, hey, let me post this on, um, what is it, Reddit? On Reddit, mind you, I'd never really used Reddit before, so I wasn't familiar with it. But they're like, hey, I'm going to post this on Reddit. Is that okay? I was like, yeah, sure, absolutely. And I remember the next day, it had jumped significantly by thousands and thousands Mm. of views, maybe like 25 or 30,000 views. So as far as I'm aware, I think it was his Reddit post that really kind of got people looking. Because um, the next morning I saw it on the news, and then the next morning it was Good Morning America. So <laughs> that's really awesome. That's super exciting. And and what kind of partnerships have you been able to build out of this? I'm, I'm sure. Again, with it getting noticed, I'm sure it wasn't just people simply saying, "Hey, good job, keep going." Was there anything more that came out of it? You being able to do your work better, just different spotlights on the different areas of work that maybe weren't getting recognized before? So like I said, this was this was my first hack at teaching, period. So I, at the time, I wasn't even a licensed teacher. Um, again, I was student teaching. So it's crazy that my entire educational career has been under the spotlight of all of America. Mm. So I hadn't been doing anything yet. It, it was literally the beginning, the inception of everything. But since then, um, fortunately, I've been given so many opportunities. I've worked with big name brands like Old Navy or Arby's or 3M, who make everything, um, on educational music and videos. And I've been I've been able to work with the United Nations. They they flew me out to Paris, France, for a week, and um, I sat on a council and we discussed discussed um, issues that that plague our youth in the world. And I've been able to kind of fly all over the country and speak to different teachers and educators and children. And the coolest thing, though, is that 
that being viral or whatever, known or having this notoriety has allowed for me to get more opportunities to do cool things for my kids mm. now, for my students now. So for example, um, this Christmas, you know, a lot of my students, they don't, they don't come from a lot. So this Christmas, I wanted to surprise them with Christmas gifts, all of them. I have 40 students total, 20 and 20 between each class. And so I reached out to all of the following world and I said, hey, I want to get my students um, these gifts, $20 and under, can you help? And hundreds of people sent money or sent donations, bought gifts that I had on an Amazon kind of wish list. And I would have never been able to do that outside of quote unquote going viral. So um, what going viral has done for me is give me more opportunities to go and serve my kids in the community. So that's been the biggest, the biggest thing. For the last few weeks, we've been sharing the incredible work my friends at Scout Books are engaged in. I'm thrilled to share more about their incredible work this week. Today, you'll get to hear a bit from Meg Peterson as she shares a project they worked on that involves immigrants. I'll let her tell you more about this. Meg, take it away. Hi, I'm Meg, an account outreach manager at Scout Books. I help our awesome clients bring their ideas to life with custom books and wanted to shine a light on a book we printed recently called Us, a collection of immigration stories from our B Corp family, their journeys, experiences, and reflections on home. The project was kicked off by the Portland B Corp community to share their employees' immigration stories. Like most excellent ideas, everything came together with the hard work of a number of collaborators. The project wouldn't be possible without the amazing volunteers that stepped forward to share their stories in the hopes that they could start a deeper dialogue by highlighting our commonalities while honoring our unique experiences. We looped Invisible, a nonprofit org that offers creative services free of charge to marginalized communities. The Scout Books Equity Alliance also stepped in to sponsor the first print run. Now that this book is in the world, we're excited to see it used as a tool to learn from and embrace a diverse community. And that's definitely something that we should all give a damn about right now. As you can see, there are many reasons to love Scout Books and support their work by buying your next round of notebooks for your event, as gifts, or products you can sell for your own brand. You can get 15% off your order at scoutbooks.com by using the code, in all caps, GIVEADAMN. That's give a damn in all caps at checkout. More next week, but for now, back to the show. Let's continue my conversation with Dwayne Reed. Dwayne, you recently tweeted, um, every child deserves to be warmly greeted, to have their name used positively, and to be hugged, high-fived, handshaked, or at least smiled at by their teacher every single day. This is the bare minimum. Tell me about that. What drives you to think that way? And are you seeing that not happening? Because what, you know, when, when you say that, like, I obviously know, like, I kind of expect that from a teacher, right? But I know that there are so many that aren't doing that for a variety of reasons. I'm, I'm not saying they're all bad. It's being a teacher is a hard, hard thing. But you tweeted that. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. Talk me through the, your, your thought process there, your heart process there. And how is that sort of an attitude toward the children changing the children? That's complex. Uh, I think first things first, relationships are everything, period, 
point blank. Full stop. Yeah, absolutely everything. Like if you don't have that piece, in my opinion, you don't have anything. I think the social and emotional um, needs of a student are what's most important. At the very end of the day, we're human, you know? It's not teacher, student, it's not mom, son, it's it's human being. And as human beings, we need that love. There's this um, hierarchy of needs from a guy named Maslow. Um, and, and it starts off by saying like, you need, basically you need to be loved as a human being before I can, I need to reach your heart before I can reach your head, essentially. Um, so I think that really playing up those relational pieces, the, the handshake, the high five, like greeting them by their name, a hug, if, if, if that's appropriate, I think that really goes a long way because it says to you, I see you, I value you, you mean something to me, I'm happy that you're here. And a lot of students, a lot of people in general, they might not ever hear that. Like, in my family, it's common, but a lot of people, they don't have that in their family. They don't have somebody to say, you know what? I love you. You get on my nerves, don't get me wrong, but I love you. Um, and I think it, it's appropriate. I said that to my kids every day. I was like, look, y'all get on my nerves, but I love you and I'm not going nowhere. So I think that relationship piece is so huge. And I, like you said, being a teacher is hard work, man. It's it's really hard. I actually had to take about three and a half weeks um, away from school to care for myself mentally and spiritually and physically because teaching is hard work. But I don't think that there should ever be an excuse as to why we can't love other humans well. I don't care about your test scores. I don't care about this data point. I don't care about these numbers, these figures. I don't, I don't care about any of that if I don't first care about you as a human being. So so that tweet was kind of just me just, hey man, this is what this looks like every single day as a bare minimum. Yeah, I recently heard, and I hope this will be generally accurate, uh, but I recently heard that by the age of 10, I think it was, a child will hear the word no 150,000 times and hear the word yes only about 5,000. And as a parent... I don't think that ratio is true for my family, but we do have a tendency to say no, right? Because kids are always getting into things. They're typically in, in an average day doing many, many things that they shouldn't be doing or wanting to do many things they shouldn't be doing. And the one part about your tweet that I loved was having their name used positively, right? I mean, yes, hugs, yes, high fives, handshakes, all of that. But for a child to hear their name being associated with a positive thing, an affirmation, telling them they're doing well or, or pointing them in the right direction, right? Because I, as a parent, you as a teacher, even not, at, you don't have to be married or have kids to realize this. We can't force kids to do anything, man. Like we cannot, you cannot force a child to do something. My job as a parent and your job as a teacher is to find good things in life and point kids toward that and hope they gravitate toward it, right? And do it over and over and over again, day in and day out. And so I, you know, I wish for those children in, in your context who, you know, a lot of them might be growing up in a broken family structure, one parent in the home, and there's maybe this three, four kids, whatever, they're hearing no a lot more because mom is stressed out and she's working two jobs and they're kids and you know, auntie comes over and grandma comes over and all these things, it just knows way easier than yes. 
because yes is going to take, you know, yes means the kid is going to mess up. They're going to get hurt. They're going to fall down. They're going to try something that we probably know they're not ready for, but they're going to, we, we got to let them try it anyway. And so I, I just loved when I saw that tweet pinned to the top of your profile, I was like, man, that's like, I want that for my kids too. I want that for your kids, um, the kids that you serve and love so well. So thank you for kind of embodying that. I mean, it's clear from your your voice and your posture and your stories that, and I'm sure you're not 100% perfect at it, but this is not a, this is, it's not a shtick for you. This is not something that you, you know, want to just put a show on about. Like, this is your life to really do that for kids. Yeah, man, absolutely. And I'm, I'm glad that you, you kind of circled back and touched on that positively, you know, using their name and, and having their name associated with something positive. You said something that was key. You said it's so much easier to tell a, a child no than it is to tell them yes. And I absolutely agree with that. Um, and I think you were alluding to this, but, you know, we do have to give them opportunities to, you know, tell them yes and to see them fail. And, but then to grab them and be like, you know what? It's okay. It's all right. There, there was one time my mom tells a story where um, we were out to eat when I was younger, maybe two, three years old. And my grandfather had come. We were at a restaurant. And apparently I'd fallen out of the high chair that I was sitting in. And these women that were next to my, my family's table, they were like, oh, is he okay? Blah, blah, blah. Trying to come to my, my aid and my rescue. And my grandfather was like, hold on, back up. He's perfectly fine. Don't play into that because then you're going to make him think that it's wrong to fail, that it's wrong to fall, and it's not wrong to fail, and it's not wrong to fall. That's so and good. I really think that <laughs> my mom says that I was about to cry when you know the women were coming to my aid, as you will. But the moment my grandfather stepped in and he was saying whatever he was saying, like I just bucked up, wiped whatever tears that I had, sat back down, and kept on with my life. And I think that's like I. Even in my two, three-year-old mind, looking back on it, I saw that as a positive affirmation. That's not my papa saying, oh, you can't do anything. You're a failure. You fail. No, that was my papa saying, no, you are better than this failure. You are Dwayne Reed. Get up and make something of your life. And, and I think that that comes with positively you know, saying somebody's name. Good morning, such and such. I'm happy to see you, such and such. Like when those synapses start connecting, when I hear my name and I see somebody smile, I'm gonna start feeling good about myself, you know? Yeah, super key, super key. The people listening to this podcast are doing a variety of, they're all over the place in life. Some of them already give plenty of dams. Some are beginning to figure out the ways that they wanna give a damn. And some are, you know, they're interested, intrigued by this idea, but they probably do spend five, six nights a week watching Netflix, right? And everything in between, right? And, you know, there are nonprofit founders here and there are moms and a lot of young people, a lot of millennials listening to this podcast. Give us some advice. So you're a young man, uh, obviously very passionate about these children, about Chicago, about education, about you know, what you embodied in the the words of the that tweet that you typed out a couple months ago. So this is who you are. These are the kinds of things that um, you're super excited about. What have you learned in your journey so far? What have you learned about giving a damn? And what are ways that just even just general pieces of advice, pieces of wisdom 
that might not be super, you know, precise toward any one thing, but just general pieces of advice that you follow yourself that you'd love to pass along to the friends listening to this podcast in order to enable them, to encourage them to give more dams in life? I would say stay true to yourself. And I have an example of that right now. So I would say give a D, but my kids are listening and they know that I don't curse. 100%. So stay true to yourself. I love it. I love it. <laughs> um, I think another one, which is huge for me, huge, always ask, just ask. The worst that somebody can can tell you is no. And even still, you will be in no worse of a situation than you were when you started. Like, I can't tell you. I'm about to shoot a music video at a zoo <laughs> because I asked. Because, because I, you know what I'm saying? Because I asked. Not because I'm just this great person or XYZ, but because I asked. And what I've, I've found is that people naturally, they're inclined to want to help. If they have the ability, if they have the resources, like their natural desire is to want to help. So ask. I'm not, I'm not saying take advantage of people or abuse any help, but no, just ask. And then if they can, they'll help. So that's a really big piece for me. Stay true to yourself. Always ask. Take risks, man. Take, I put take risks and have fun together. Like for me, it's fun to take risks. It's fun to kind of fly by the seat of my pants, which is why I have to have a lot of planners around me because I don't really do the meticulous day-to-day too well, but I do the big picture. Take risks. Have fun. You know, as a millennial, what did Drake say? You only live once. Like, you have one life. Go crazy. What's going to happen? Like, you fail. And then just like my papa said, you get right back up and make something, all right? Um, So, man, I think really stay true to yourself. Like, I I really look up to Chance the Rapper. Like, Mm. I really look up to him. Um, Man, I follow him. I I tweet his grandma every now and again. Like I, I really love what he embodies, but I can't be Chancellor Bennett. I can't. I have to be Dwayne Reed. And for for everyone else out there listening, I know a lot of teachers say, "Oh, you're so this, you're so that." I wish that I was. And my encouragement is always, "No, don't wish that you were me. Be you and be you to the fullest." Everybody can't get up on top of a chair and deliver a lesson that keeps everybody engaged. Some of us are sitting in the chair and we're talking like this and our voice inflection and the way we move our eyebrows is enough to keep our students engaged. However you do you, do you. So that's a that's a really big piece, man. I, I have a lot of fun being Dwayne Reed and I would encourage everybody else to have a lot of fun being whomever it is that they are. So um, yeah, man, be you, stay consistent, be true to who you are, uh, always ask, take risks, have fun. And I guess my final piece of advice would be do it for love, man. Mm. Whatever you do, do it for love. At the end of the day, nobody's going to remember, welcome to the fourth grade, 10, 15, 20 years from now. Nobody's going to remember that I went viral. Nobody's, that money is, that money ebbs and flows. But what doesn't is that my students are going to remember that there was at least one person in this world that gave a D, right? That cared about them, that loved them. So, Man, at the very end of the day, I would say, make sure that whatever you're doing is motivated by love because that's all you're going to have at the very end. I love every bit of advice you shared. Some of it was you shared, you touched on a few of the things that are the key reasons as I do consulting and coaching and workshops and podcasts and stuff. You touched on some of the very like core 
reasons, I think, why people don't, um, they don't care, they don't love, they don't serve, they don't give a damn. It's all these, because it's so easy. Uh, several of the things you mentioned are so easy to, you know, we, we see these obstacles in life, right? And we, if we meet one or two obstacles, we just like peace out, right? Because, ah, it's too hard or it's too inconvenient or my sofa feel, you know, sounds a lot better than doing that right now. And I think one of the things that you said that I'm terrible at, not terrible at, I shouldn't say that, but I'm, I'm getting better at it is the having fun part. Um, I, I take what I do and I'm not saying you don't, so don't hear that, but I take what I do so seriously and I'm, I'm a little bit, I'm kind of, I think in a good way, I have some, I'm, I'm very stoic. I can focus way too much on the negative things that are happening and that stuff just bogs me down. And so I'm always excited to hear people reinforce, you got to have fun doing it or, or my life, I'm speaking to me now, I'm preaching to me my life will be much shorter than it could be if I just learned how to have fun in the process because there are so many good things happening, right? There are so many bad things. There's so many terrible things happening in the world, but we've got to be somewhat outraged by those things, but we've also got to figure out how to use that, use that outrage to turn into good things so that we can, your last piece of advice, do it for love. Um, because right. the, yeah, doing, I mean, MLK, Darkness can't drive out darkness, only light can. Hate can't drive out hate, only love can. Like, it's very true. Like, we can fight and, you know, protest and scream and all those things, and those are fine at a certain place in time, but it can't, it can't stop there, right? It can't. We have enough of history to look at to see that the people that really made a lasting impact, by and large, were those that did it for love. Yeah. Um, wonderful advice, wonderful advice. Uh, Dwayne, someday you are going to die. Hopefully it's many, many, many years from now, but that's, you know, mortality rate, 100% uh, still, and it probably always will be. But um, one day you're going to die, and I, for some odd reason, have been asked to give your eulogy. So your students, your fellow teachers, your family, your friends, everybody that you've influenced and affected uh, throughout your life are there. And they're waiting on me to give your eulogy to celebrate and mourn your life through words. What do you hope that I would say about your life and legacy on that day? I hope that you would make a joke about the picture that was on my obituary because uh, my students actually, right before the end of the school year, they said, hey, let's take a picture, Mr. Reed, and you can use it for your obituary. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. So I hope you would take, make a joke at, at them. Um, but what would I want you to say, Nick? I probably want you to keep it short. Uh, man, I hate, I hate ceremonies. Like they're so time consuming. Just get to the point. Yes, they love each other. Yes, That's yes. Right. Okay, bye. Done. Yes, they graduated. Take the diploma leave. Um, so I, I hope whatever you said, you would keep it really short. Uh, I hope that you would sing a song for me, even if you can't sing worth a lick, like just sing a quick little ditty to get people's spirits up and going. Um, I think that's what I would do um, to lighten the mood. I would hope that you would encourage people to smile that like life goes on. Like, okay, so mystery died. What? So what? Like keep moving on. Like keep doing what you're supposed to do in life. Maybe end with a corny joke. That okay. <laughs> that would be perfect. End with a corny teacher joke or corny dad joke, and that would 
I would be smiling down on you from heaven. I love it. So we are going to use that terrible picture, that terrible photo, and we're going to end with a corny joke. I'm in. I'm all in. If they ever ask me, I'll make sure. Well, even if they don't ask me to do it, I'll make sure to point them to this piece of audio so they can uh, get the get the very short seven-minute <laughs> ceremony. Ready. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, before we leave, this has been super fun. Before we leave, what do you want people to go check out? Uh, websites, social media handles, projects you're doing. What, what do you want them to go check out so they can just keep tabs on what you're doing? Thanks for asking, man. Uh, on Twitter, I'm at Teach Mr. Reed, um, R-E-E-D. Uh, Instagram, Teach Mr. Reed. On YouTube, I have a YouTube account because my mom says, hey, you should have YouTube. <laughs> um, so Mr. Reed, just on YouTube, you can check out some of the videos. Um, I just released a new one about being ready and anxious for the summer. Um, what's cool is that I like to use my students as much as possible. So you'll see all of my students in my videos. Coming up, uh, like I said, I'm shooting a music video at, at a Chicago zoo. Uh, hopefully, I'll be doing some work with Chance the Rapper and his uh, local nonprofit, Social Works. Uh, I've got some things in the works with some uh, larger companies, with some Scholastic, just uh, just a lot of things. I kind of got my hands everywhere. Yeah. So really fortunate, really fortunate, really thankful. So just remember, remember to uh, look up Mr. Reed and you should find yourself with something. Awesome. So teach Mr. Reed. Twitter, Instagram, and on Facebook, right? Probably similar. They yeah, can just look at yeah, you. Yeah, on Facebook. Cool, cool. Dwayne, this has been super fantastic. Um, I've had a ton of fun. Um, you are amazing. I'm honored to you know, know you and get to talk with you. And I'm really excited to see you know, how you continue to develop and grow and how you continue to love these kids and develop as a leader. Um, it'll be exciting to see what happens, brother. Man, thank you so much again for having me on, Nick, and asking really good questions. That's a lost art, so I appreciate that. Um, and yeah, man, it's been a blast. Awesome. We'll do it again soon. Likewise. Thanks, man. I love that guy, and I loved the chance to hang with him for a few minutes and learn more about his story. I hope you enjoyed it, too. Head on over to nicklapara.com slash let's give a damn. That's nicklapara.com dot com slash let's give a damn to check out the show notes for this podcast you'll find more information about Dwayne, social media links etc and you can find every other episode that we've ever published hit me up on social media i'm nick lapara everywhere and we're let's give a damn everywhere please let me know how i can help you how i can serve you if you have any podcast guest suggestions or anything like that i would just love to chat with you please be sure to check out scoutbooks.com, our amazing sponsors for this episode. I love them. You will too. And you can find the discount code and more information in the show notes as well. This show was edited and produced by the great Chad Snavely. I can't wait to put out another podcast with him and for you in a week. Love you all. Bye for now.